This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Have you ever fucked something up so badly and wondered, oh my God, is it ever going to get any better? Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman and welcome to a very special episode of Let's Fix Work. I'm thinking about building a community. I want to release bonus material to you, you know, awesome people who support the podcast. And as an example of what you could hear, I'm going to tell you a story today. It doesn't paint me in a great light, but I think that's what this is all about. Sharing mistakes at work. Sharing the lessons learned and then growing and being better versions of ourselves tomorrow. So in that spirit, after the break, I'm going to tell you a story about how I failed to launch a tech company called Glitchpath. Stay right there. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. About three years ago, I was having an existential crisis. Now, to be fair, I have these crises every couple of years where I look inward and wonder, am I doing good work? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing on this planet? Am I contributing and using my skills appropriately? And do I suck? Am I failing? I don't know. It's like something I do quite often. My friends are used to it. And so three years ago, I was having one of these moments and a friend of mine introduced me to a concept called the pre-mortem. It's a simple concept. It's when you think about how you're going to fail before you fail, and then you work backwards to avoid it, to come up with some solutions so you don't screw up. So, for example, you might go see your parents this weekend, and we know the many ways that that can go wrong. Somebody might talk about politics or criticize your life choices, or you might drink too much. Before you go see your parents, Think about all the ways that you can screw that up and then make a plan to avoid failure. I love this concept so much. Like I was just blown away. So I asked my friend, do you think this could be a product, either like a platform or an app or software? I don't know. This is just such a good idea. I want to tell all my friends about it. I want to tell my clients about it. It just makes so much sense to me. My friend looked at me and said, well, I don't know if it could be a product, but if it could, and if it's possible, you're the woman for the job. So right there, my life changed. 
in an instant. And I thought, oh my God, I have been doing the pre-mortem for 40 years. I just didn't have a name for it. But I was doing the pre-mortem as a kid, trying to figure out ways to escape a life that wasn't all that great. When I was 16 in 1991 in high school, I got pregnant and I thought through all the ways that it would be a bad impact on my life. I did a pre-mortem in college when I wanted to quit. I was the first person in my family to go to college, but I didn't really have a good understanding of what I was supposed to be doing, and it was so tough. But I flashed forward to a life without a degree, and I thought, I can't do that. I need to set myself up for success. And then when I worked in human resources, I knew, I knew I was failing. But I thought through all the ways that just quitting would be a bad idea. So I started writing on the side and tried to develop some skills in order to escape a career that wasn't working out for me. I have always believed that if you can see failure, you can beat it. This is one of the core mantras of my life. Even when I'm in the midst of like a failure and shame spiral, I still believe that if you can see it, you can beat it. So I founded a company with my friend. We called it Glitch Path. The name was his idea. And my co-founder brought along a front-end designer and developer and a full-stack engineer. I found a tech advisor. So that's, that's five of us. And the first sign of trouble, and boy, there's always a sign of trouble in a startup because nine out of 10 of them fail. But the first sign of trouble was that everybody else had another job. I was the only full-time employee. And right away, it became clear that our work wasn't equally distributed. Now, I'm the CEO, and I take on a lot of additional responsibilities and duties. Like, you know, I did the work of creating a strategic plan, and I was trying to form the company and talk about things like culture and vision. But my team kept missing meetings because Glitch Path wasn't a priority. In fact, there was a really important meeting, and one of the dudes missed it because he had to go to softball practice. And again, you know, I don't know. I'm a first-time CEO. It's just, it was so challenging, but it also felt like all the emotional labor was falling onto me. And because our meetings weren't necessarily going very well and our communication wasn't great, the designer and the engineer were missing deadlines, like really important deadlines. And that's just a fact. They were failing and falling behind on both the primary website and the very simple product roadmap. And that's unacceptable. But what really sucks was my communication. And I take full responsibility for that. Being a woman in tech is tough. And I was the only woman at our company. And there were some days when I was seen like a mom and then other days when they viewed me as a bitch and a nag. And what I really was, was the boss and the primary capital investor. But for some reason, I couldn't break through and motivate my team. I could not get them to get to meetings and make their deadlines. The second problem in our company is that nobody would use our pre-mortem. Now, you can't create a product and not use it, especially one that's so core and critical to the vision and values of the organization. But my team, they love the pre-mortem for other people, but not for themselves. Now, listen, I love the pre-mortem and I used it all the time. I even used it for Glitch Path. 
And every failure scenario, every glitch that I was worried about, every risk was coming true right before my eyes. We were failing in real time, and it was horrifying. So we had a tense team meeting. Essential deadlines were missed, and I was pretty clear that I was done messing around. I was burning through cash in really stupid ways, and we weren't making progress on the product, on what is just a minimally viable product, not even anything that's sexy. And again, our communication sucked. Mine, theirs, all of it. And here's what I knew to be true. I was not about to run a company where people didn't like one another and meet their commitments. That was not going to happen on my watch. So after that meeting happened, I fired my product team right on the spot. Now, I could do that because we hadn't formalized the corporation because one of those guys went to softball practice during that meeting. So, uh, you know, I fired him. I had full rights to do that. But I'm not horrible, and I'm a nice lady. And so I worked with our lawyer to make assurances that their work on our IP would be recognized. But I was fucking done. I was done with that version of the company. Now, I still loved the pre-mortem, and it was so beneficial in my life, so life-changing. And it got me out of a jam, actually, with the designer and the developer before things got worse. So I wasn't done dreaming about Glitch Path, not yet anyway. Right after the break, I'll tell you how I failed again and finally broke Glitch Path. So stay tuned for more of Let's Fix Work. Hey, are you ready to podcast like a pro? then you need a secret weapon, someone who can make it easy, where all you have to do is show up and be the host. At One Stone Creative, that's what we do. Everything. Yeah, everything. Imagine, every time you sit down to record, you know what your topic is. You want a script? We can do that too. Then you record it, drop it in a folder, and that's it. Our team will take it from there. Production, show notes, uploads, blog posts, social media assets, swipe copy, like I said everything. Book a call with the podcast strategist today. Just go to onestonecreative.net slash podcast. That's onestonecreative.net slash podcast. And we'll take it from there. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Lori Brudeman, and this is Let's Fix Work. In the first half of the show, I told you how I failed at my first version of Glitch Path. And I did that because I didn't create a cohesive team. Uh, everybody had misaligned expectations. We communicated poorly and I worked with people who missed deadlines. And basically, I wasn't a very good CEO. So um, I failed twice with Glitch Path. I took a month after dissolving, in air quotes, the first version of our company. And I tried to recover. You know, I thought a lot about what went wrong. I looked inward. I had another existential crisis. All the things that I do to try to figure out what went wrong. But I still felt like the pre-mortem could change lives. And so I created a new light business plan, you know, version 2.0. And I went out and brought on some really great people. I kept my advisor, but I brought on a head of marketing, a head of operations, and a head of product. Now, I'm a former recruiter. I know how to find people. But I wanted to do something different at Glitch Path. I found my head of product by running a job ad that talked about my vision and values for Glitch Path, but I also said something differently. I wrote, fuck Trump. That's right, you heard me, fuck Trump. Now, um, 
The reason why is that if you voted for him, you're probably not going to do well at a company like Glitchpath, all right? That's what I believe. But my HR lady friends and fellow bloggers shit their pants. I don't know how else to say that. They lost it on me. I mean, people lost their fucking minds. I heard from people out of the woodwork saying, oh my God, you can't say that. That's so exclusionary. What does that say about your culture? Blah, blah, blah. And it just reminded me why I'm an awesome HR blogger, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I had some Trump-loving friends. Oh my God. They were like, we'd be crucified if we said that about Obama. We'd be called racist. And you know what? You're goddamn right you would be called racist. Obama was a historic black president. He didn't cheat on his wife. He just wanted to give everybody health care. He recognized gay rights. He helped to pull us out of the Great Recession. And he didn't humiliate his employees like Trump humiliates Jeff Sessions and the rest of them. Trump is racist. He's sexist. He's a narcissist. And he behaves like a man baby who's addicted to the internet. You know what? Fuck Trump. I'm going to double down on that ad. I stand by it. It's probably the best thing I did at Glitchpath throughout the entire course of this story. And I got an awesome head of product. She was amazing. So anyway, my goal for version 2.0 of Glitchpath is to prove that if you can see failure, you can beat it using our tool called the pre-mortem. And I felt like this was possible. So the team comes together. There's me, the advisor, a CMO, a COO, and a head of product. And we all get along The dynamics are way better. And we have a culture of trust and openness. But you know what? Guess what happens? Nobody still wants to use the pre-mortem. Literally. This new team, they're like, eh, it's for other people and not for us. As we build the product, we use it a few times. And before we build the product, we uh, do it via SurveyMonkey and Google Sheets and verbally in meetings where we all talk about how things are going to fail. And then we try to brainstorm ways around the failure before it happens. But nobody is enthused, which is so interesting and so meta and such like a, a telling data point, right? This company fails if we don't use our own product rigorously and if we don't check our assumptions about success and failure right away. But I couldn't get my team enthused about Glitchpath. And here's the second problem. Nobody else wants to buy Glitchpath, literally. (laughs) Through research and user testing, we discovered that there are two primary personalities in the workforce, strategic optimists and defensive pessimists. Strategic optimists always see the glass as half full. They are in it till the bitter end. Failure is not an option. And we need these people. We need them in human resources during open enrollment or when they're running payroll. We need them in marketing to believe in social media campaigns and Google AdWord campaigns, right? This is going to bring you in buyers. And we need them in manufacturing environments, especially when safety is an issue because failure results in death. Failure is not an option. We also need defensive pessimists. We need them to run up and check that unbridled optimism from strategic optimists. And defensive pessimists see the glass as half empty. They're always looking for risk. They're always trying to figure out a way that things are going to go wrong. And they may seem like Debbie Downers, but they're definitely the people who speak truth to power. In our research, we see that there's a real opportunity for Glitchpath to marry these two groups together and help people navigate their way through problems. 
to talk about risk and failure and to have a deeper and more um, beneficial conversation about being successful at work. Except nobody wants to use it and nobody will buy this product. And here's why. Our research tells us that projects start at the top and people, even if they have the title of project manager or director or leader, they can't say no. They're not empowered or even incented to speak up at work when things are going to go wrong. They get a paycheck regardless. And in fact, questioning leadership will only impact bonuses and earnings. You know, work is fucked up and we were hitting that head on. What we were hitting was a thing called learned helplessness. Even the bravest people were fearful of losing their job. And you know what they were really scared of? They didn't want to get fired and end up like their friends in the gig economy and lose their health insurance. Super fascinating, right? Except I need to sell a product and I'm really hitting some obstacles. I did some user testing in Chicago, Raleigh, San Diego, Seattle, and a few other cities, and I saw how GlitchPath, the software, could illuminate a conversation. But I also saw that people teach other people. I needed to be in the room having conversations about failure and success, about courage and bravery. But if I wasn't in the room, things went south. And you know, if I'm in the room... I don't have a software company or a tech company. I've got a consulting company. And that's exactly what I didn't want to have. Here's the third problem. My idea was to integrate GlitchPath into tools that exist on the market, like Slack, Basecamp, Trello, Asana, Workfront, whatever. And I wanted to get bought by one of them. But we learned two things. One, most people don't do projects that way. Most people do projects based on Excel or email or, I don't know, some homegrown system. And the second thing I learned is that I was never going to get bought by anybody. I talked to a high-level friend at one of those aforementioned project management companies, and she told me that I was doing great work for an HR lady with my first effort in tech. Okay, not condescending, not at all. Um, But she said I was building a product feature and not a product, and that prominent companies don't acquire other organizations who are manufacturing features. And because my tech wasn't revolutionary, I wasn't going to get bought. In order to be purchased, I would have to bring them like 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 unique users or access to companies where they don't already have customers in order to get acquired. So... It was pretty clear that GlitchPath wasn't going to be a thing, we weren't going to get acquired, and I wasn't going to be a tech billionaire. But I still love the pre-mortem, right? I don't know why. (laughs) Because I didn't get all of that out of doing a pre-mortem, but I still love it. It's still helpful for me. So um, my team and I had a meeting in June of 2017, and I had hit my cash limit. You know, I wasn't going to spend any more money. Um, We were getting bad news. So based on all of this, my team actually wanted to pivot and do something in the world of project management because it's pretty clear that there's a need for project management software somewhere between Excel and Trello. (laughs) So that need exists, right? And there are a lot of solutions out there, but none of them are very good. So my team thought, well, that could be one option, but I didn't want to do that. I was interested in the pre-mortem. So in June of 2017, I killed GlitchPath for the second and, I don't know, hopefully final time. 
Now, this whole experience was life-changing. I thought I knew about the world of work, but I knew nothing. And a lot of the theories that I'm using to form the thesis behind this podcast, well, they were formed right there through Glitch Path. I really believe that we can't fix work unless we fix ourselves. People aren't earning enough to be brave and bold, and they fear losing their health insurance. And you can't do something big and bold unless you burn bridges or at the very least commit yourself to working over eight hours a day. And there's a ton of learned helplessness at work. Some people are administrators of their lives and some people are doers, but most people just don't do anything. And even though Me Too is happening and we're having a better and more informed conversation about gender roles at work, we have a long way to go. Also, people are fucking quirky and you got to let them do things like go to softball practice in order to get the best out of them. I learned a ton about work and about why I suck through Glitch Path. That's why I'm working on this podcast. That's what's driving me. I know that we can make work better. I know that we can have better conversations at work. I believe in the pre-mortem, but more importantly, I just believe in having good conversations with you so that you can think through your life differently. We can fix work. So in future bonus materials, if I do this again, I've got tons of other stories. I'm going to tell you how I almost took a job at Zenefits, which is a tech company in San Francisco, before I started this podcast. Oh yeah, I almost took a job. And I'll tell you how my experiences at Zenefits, along with my work as a marketing consultant, led me to this exact moment where I'm speaking to you about hopes and dreams and failure right in your ear. Let's Fix Work is a production of One Stone Creative. Audra Casino and Megan Doherty produce the show and never fail me. They don't. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and sharing. And thanks for all of your feedback and all of your follows on social media. You can find me at L Rudiman or Let's Fix Work. So that's all for today. I hope you guys are surviving and not failing too much, unlike me. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Fix Work. Did you enjoy this bonus episode? Do you want more like it? We're thinking about putting together a community where you'll get all normal content, plus juicy tidbits, stories, access to Lori, and an inside look at how she's fixing work. Let us know your thoughts. Email hello at letsfixwork.com.